Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will ye give me, and I will deliver him unto you? And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray Christ. Now the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to such a man, and say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand, I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve, and as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him. But woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. We'll end the reading there at uh, verse 25. Pray the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text tonight is taken from Matthew chapter 26, verses 14 through to 16. Listen to what the Bible says. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. And we're going to think tonight as a theme of the price of Judas' betrayal. Now, history is full of famous traitors who have betrayed their queen and their country. Individuals who willfully and deliberately dealt wickedly by telling lies, playing the role of a hypocrite, double-crossing those who trusted in them, worked against those that they were supposed to be working for. And due to acts of treachery and betrayal, whole families have been destroyed, battles have been lost, kingdoms, as far as power and authority has been concerned, has been transferred and greatly compromised, all by the dishonest dealings of a betrayer. And the schemes and the plotters of many traitors is well documented, not only in secular history, but even in biblical history. Now, the biggest and the worst betrayer who ever lived, one who stands head and shoulders, I believe, above the rest of all the arch-betrayers, was a man by the name of Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot is renowned for his life of deception and his evil act of betrayal of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a big debate rages as to where he was from. Was he from the tribe of Issachar or Dan? Did he live in Judah? 
which little village was he born? Why did his mother give him the name Judas? I don't believe it really matters. I don't believe that those details are really significant. What we do know is this, that the name Judas Iscariot is immortalized and synonymous with the most dreadful, darkest, despicable act of gross betrayal regarding Jesus Christ that ever was. Could I ask which mother has a son that calls that son by the name of Judas? Do you know of any in Northern Ireland? Do you know of any in the United Kingdom? See, Judas Iscariot schemed to sell the Lord Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Young people, 30 pieces of silver was the price of a slave in those days on the open market. The going rate, most likely about £10 in our money today. Now, Now think of it. Judas Iscariot, willing to betray Christ for approximately the sum of about £10. The scribes and Pharisees had been trying for some time to arrest Christ. They longed to silence him, to get him out of the way. And on every occasion they tried, that their uh, efforts seemed to be thwarted. They, they failed in their attempt. All attempts ended in failure. And then we read, according to Matthew 26, verses 14 and 16, that Judas Iscariot... One of the twelve, keep that in mind, approached these men and he struck a bargain with them to betray Christ. And they covenanted with them to betray the Savior for 30 pieces of silver. So the stage was set for this wicked, dark deed of all time, this ultimate betrayal and betrayals to take place. Now where did it take place? The betrayal took place in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Lord Jesus often went there to pray. Judas Iscariot knew the place. Remember, it was there that the Lord Jesus prayed in agony, and such was his agony that he sweated, as it were, great drops of blood. And in that particular garden, he prayed, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. That cup, I believe, is the cup of satanic oppression. It wasn't that he was praying to get out of the cross. He, he was thinking that if this continues, I could die here, not get to the cross. But in the dead of night, a band of men turned up. They, they had lanterns, they had staves, they had swords, and Judas Iscariot is among them. And it was all planned. And there's Judas Iscariot stepping forward. And what does he do? He plants a kiss on the Savior's cheek. As was the custom in those days. That was the greeting. Today our greeting's a handshake. Or what about ye? But the the greeting then was a kiss on the cheek. The late Dr. Paisley preached a sermon one time. It's on the internet, I believe. A man who kissed the door of heaven and went to hell. And in the darkness of that night, the Lord Jesus was arrested, taken away for his unjust, cruel trial. There he was falsely accused by false witnesses until eventually he was crucified the next day at noon. Judas Iscariot went his way. But that wasn't the end of Judas Iscariot. 
Some days after he was overcome, the pangs of guilt relating to his act of wickedness got the hold of him. His conscience was pricked. He was so overwhelmed that he returned to the same scribes and Pharisees. He had a conversation with them. And he ended up throwing the 30 pieces of silver down at their feet. And he cried, I have betrayed innocent blood. And you know what they replied? What is that to us? You see, they they had no regard for him. They they had no need of Judas Iscariot now. Satan had used him. Satan had filled his heart and mind with with the thought of of the betrayal of Christ. And in the end, typical Satan, he, he cast him to the one side. The Bible tells us, according to the book of Acts, Judas Iscariot went out and hanged himself. Can you see him going to the cliff face? putting the rope maybe on a tree, the rope around his neck, jumping off, hanging for a wee while, and then the rope breaking, and his body being dashed down in the rocks below. The Bible says his bowels gushed out. Judas Iscariot lived and died as a Christ rejecter. And over there in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, we read, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. He died as an infamous betrayer of Christ. And that's what we're thinking about tonight. The price of Judas' betrayal. Now, now three things, okay? I, I want you to think of his perilous deception. If you look at your Bible, it says in verse 14, then one of the twelve called Judas the Scariot. Now, isn't that interesting? And it says in verse 16, from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Look with me at verse 20 of the same chapter. Now when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve. We'll come back to that. One of the twelve. And yet the reality is, and listen to me carefully, young people, his very profession of faith in Christ was false. Here was a man who lived in close fellowship and communion with Christ. And yet he was so far away from Christ that all he had was a false, empty profession. A man who lived so close to Christ in communion and fellowship, and yet this man died as he lived. He died as the infamous betrayer, as a false professor. And there's nothing in the New Testament to suggest that he had did anything uh, to uh, indicate that he was the betrayer. I believe he acted the part of a genuine believer among the twelve. He lived like the other eleven. None of the twelve were ever suspicious of him or none of the eleven. Nothing about his character, nothing about his commitment, nothing even about his conversion outwardly. You see, Judas Iscariot was good at putting on a show. But inwardly, his heart was not right before God. Inwardly, he lived a, a, a lie before God and man. This man's heart had never been born again of the Spirit. It had never been changed and transformed by the grace of God. Think of his company. 
He associated with the very best of men. He's one of the twelve. He's, he's fitting in with the right kind of people. Fitted in very well. Think of his conduct. He, he was an active and committed disciple. Did you know that this man preached the word of God? This man would have offered prayer with the twelve. This man, like the twelve, performed miracles, healing the sick, seeing the dead raised, the feeding of the five thousand. He, he appeared as interested in the work of God just like any other man. Think of his conversation. Look with me at Matthew chapter 26. And it says there in verse 20, Now when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve. Verse 21, And as they did eat, he said, This is Christ, verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Now think of that. And they were exceeding sorrowful and began, every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? Now, now let me ask this. What did Judas say? Look at verse 25. Because after they have said, Lord, is it I, one by one, look at verse 25. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? See, Judas was there. Isn't it interesting that he didn't use the exact same language like the rest? They said, Lord, is it I? Judas said, Master, is it I? I I think that's telling. Because no man can call Jesus Lord except by the Spirit of God. And Judas was devoid of the Spirit of God. He was not a true child of God. He used language that was similar to the other twelve. He, he, he looked like a Christian. He professed to be a genuine servant of the Lord. He professed to be a saved individual. But all the while, he's just pretending. He's really an unconverted deceiver. He was not born of the Holy Spirit. He was a stranger to Christ. Never truly, genuinely saved. He didn't belong to the Savior. Turn over there to uh, Matthew chapter 7. Listen to the Sermon on the Mount that the Lord Jesus was preaching. Judas was there. And I'll show you how I know that Judas was there. It says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 1, And seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, His disciples... Judas was one of the twelve. He was there at the Sermon on the Mount. He heard this sermon. Listen to chapter 7 and verse 21. Judas heard these words, Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Judas heard that message preached. Judas, along with the others, performed miracles. Judas did this and that for Christ. But all the while he was not a true believer. In the end, the Savior would say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. 
I'm going to make a statement tonight, and I say this very reverently. I'm very concerned that this perilous deception that was going on in the heart and mind of Judas Iscariot is very common today. And many can be the best of characters, and they can keep good company, even be in the company of other Christians, and they can engage in conduct, and they can engage in spiritual conversation, and they can talk like a true believer, and they can act like a true believer as if all is well. And yet the bottom line is this. Whenever their their life is analyzed and revealed through the eyes of Christ, they're really living one big lie. It's all a big fraud in front. It's really a, a false profession. And I believe the Savior knew what was in Judas's heart. He knew what he was capable of. He knew what he was going to do. And the Lord Jesus could say to Judas, like Peter said to Simon Magus, thine heart is not right in the sight of God. That was his perilous deception. Notice secondly, and I'll be quick, his personal decision. If we go back to our text, it says there in Matthew chapter 7, uh, or Matthew chapter 26, verse 14, then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. Notice those words. Went to the chief priests, said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. You see, that was a personal decision of Judas. And the Bible tells us they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. Did you know that that fulfilled prophecy? Listen to what it says in Zechariah chapter 11. And I said unto them, if ye think good, give me my price, and if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver. And the Lord said unto me, cast it unto the potter. A goodly price that I was prized out of them. And I took the 30 pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. Now, now that's interesting. You see, all of us live our lives by making personal decisions. Personal decisions regarding friendship. Decisions regarding our calling and our vocation. Personal decisions about a life's partner personal decisions about where we live and maybe even personal decisions about the way we live. You see, life really uh, involves a a series of many personal decisions. There's thousands of them, physical, mental, emotional, material, and spiritual. But Judas made a decision. And his personal decision involved the betrayal of Christ. You see, I believe the devil was looking for a human instrument to betray Christ. He wanted to establish a beachhead in the heart and mind of some man. And I believe the devil was already at work and put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot. Long before he entered into the heart of Judas Iscariot, he'd put the thought in his heart and mind. And then after a time, he entered into the heart of Judas Iscariot. And there's a short step between satanic suggestion 
and a supposed satanic possession. But it was, I believe, the devil put it into the heart and mind of Judas Iscariot to betray Christ for 30 pieces of silver. And I want to ask this. In what way does the devil put it into your heart and mind and my heart and mind to betray Christ? And, and what are we betraying Christ for? Because Judas Iscariot made a personal decision for Satan over against the lovely Savior, even though he was the sinless, spotless Son of God. He made a personal decision, am I going to live for Christ, through Christ, or am I going to live more and more under the control and spell and domination of the devil? And somewhere in life's journey, Judas Iscariot made a personal decision to live more and more under the control and spell of the devil. I believe Judas Iscariot decided for the material against the spiritual. See, Judas' chief sin was a love for money. Doesn't the Bible say that, that the love of money is the root of all evil? It's not money is the root of all evil, but it's the love of money. Turn over there to John chapter 12 and look with me at the verse 6. John chapter 12 and the verse 6. And what do we read there of Judas? Remember, this is the episode of the breaking of the box of alabaster ointment. And um, the Bible tells us in John 12, verse 4, Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, look at verse 6, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Now, now that's very telling. You see, Judas remembers one of the twelve, but he's been appointed the treasurer. He had the bag, and when the Lord Jesus went into different villages, people maybe gave them alms that they maybe sold. They maybe gave them some money, and that was put into the bag. And then whenever they needed something, then, well, well Judas was there uh, to, to provide the necessary coinage to, to purchase the particular items. But if you look what it says in the Bible, he was a thief. Do you see that? Even though the Bible said thou shalt not steal, when Judas was tempted to take money out of the bag, which was given to the Lord's treasury, which belonged to Christ, he gave in to that temptation. To the rest of the disciples, he was a man of integrity. He's a man of honesty. Steal? Thief? Judas Iscariot would never do that. That's Simon's son. Sure, we know Simon Iscariot. Yet all the while he was deceiving them. You see, he had a love for silver. More from the, for his soul. And the Bible says, Mark 8, verse 36, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? He's helping himself. 
There he is doing the job of the treasurer, and yet he's stealing the money. You see, greed is eating away at him. That's his chief sin. That's his secret sin. He's a love for money, and as I've said, it's the root of all evil. It was the master's sin in his life. And here he goes to these chief priests, and he's saying to them, What will you give me if I deliver him unto you? And they covenanted with him. Thirty pieces of silver. I don't want to ask tonight. Is there a master sin in your life? Something in your life that you're trading Christ for? Is it, is it drink and drunkenness? Is it some shady business deal? Is it maybe a secret gambling habit? Is it some sexual sin? Is it maybe some unfaithful relationship? Or maybe it's a, it's a godless friendship. Maybe it's peer pressure at school or at work. Maybe it's trading Christ and betraying him in the name of so-called science. Maybe it's for pleasure and popularity. And I want to tell you, it's an awful bargain. What is your master sin? What is keeping you back from Christ? What's holding you down be, be, because you, you can't get to the Savior? Is it a personal decision? Not just deciding for Satan over against the Savior, but deciding for the material over against the spiritual. You're selling your soul for something. I want to ask this. How much is Christ worth to you? Not only his perilous desertion and his personal decision, but, but I want you to think of his practical distortion. See, I've already told you, he played the part of a hypocrite very well. He was in full and free fellowship with Christ, but the whole of his life was a lie. It was a, a big distortion. And you, you think tonight of the task by which he served the Lord? Did you know he attended all night prayer meetings? Did you know that he was a preacher? He was sent out to preach. He, he told others about Christ and the need to be saved. He, he cast out demons. He healed the sick in the name of the Lord. In fact, one time he came back and he, he, along with the twelve, was rejoicing. And they reported to Christ. Even the devils are subject unto us. Here was a man working for Christ. Here was a man witnessing for Christ. But his life was a distortion. It was out of shape. Because the man is not saved. And do you know something tonight? You could have a preacher in the pulpit. You could have an elder in the Kirk session room. You could have a deacon in the board. You could have a member of a congregation, even in a free Presbyterian church. You could have someone who's associating with church. Maybe someone come up through the children's meetings, the Sunday school, the Bible class. But the reality is, their heart is not right with God. Do you know that John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, 1738, he was a missionary to the state of Georgia over in the United States of America. And this is what he said. After two years, he said, I went to convert the Indians. Though we're not allowed to use that term nowadays, but that's what he said. I went to convert the Indians. But who shall convert me? See, he was fooling himself. I want you to think as well of, of the table by which he sat. You think of Judas celebrating the Passover. One of the twelve. Christ is in the midst. It's the Last Supper. And the disciples, they suspect nothing. And the Lord Jesus says, one of you will betray me. 
And they're asking, Lord, is it I? And Judas says, Master, is it I? And if you look very carefully at John chapter 6 and verse 70, it says there, Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He speak of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Now, now you think of that, sitting at the table, the Lord Jesus is saying, listen boys, one of you is going to betray me. One of you twelve sitting here at the table eating this meal with me is actually a devil. And then to, to crown it all, they were asking him, who is it? And he says, it's him that has his hand in the dish with me. Was Judas' hand reaching over for a morsel of bread to, to dip it maybe in the, in the dressing on the table? Christ then went a stage further and he, he says, it's him to whom I give the sop. And that was a morsel of bread and he gave it to Judas. And yet all the while, Judas this, lived this life of practical distortion. But despite these tasks for which he served and the table at which he sat and all the opportunities and privileges he was given, it's so easy to live a life of practical distortion. Not only perilous deception being a false professor, not only making personal decisions, but a life of practical distortion. The Lord could see right through Judas. Christ could not be fooled. He saw his state and heart. He knew that he wasn't genuine. One of you is a devil. Very quickly, I want you to think of his perilous destruction. We already read in Acts chapter 1, verse 25, that he went to his own place. You see, Judas, whenever he died by suicide, and the rope breaking and his body falling onto the rocks and his bowels gushing out and staining the rock with his blood. The Bible tells us that he went to his own place. In other words, he went to an awful hell. Think of it, a man who lived close to the Savior for three and a half years. A man who listened to the Savior. A man who was laboring for the Savior, preaching and, and doing practical things and sitting at the table. This man, he abused all these privileges. Aye, and he even avoided the pricking of his conscience. One of you shall betray me. It's him that has his hand in the dish. It's him to whom I give the morsel of bread. One of you is a devil. It was all communicated around the table where there's supposed to be close fellowship. And he abused those privileges and he avoided that pricking of his conscience. Remember the Lord Jesus said to him when he came to arrest him, Friend, wherefore art thou come hither? That's how he called him, friend. 
You see, Judas ignored these privileges. He ignored every opportunity to repent. He refused every warning. And he didn't bat an eyelid. And I want to ask tonight, is that a picture of you? Judas is destruction. He went to his own place. There's a story told about a man in America who was in jail for murder. He went to the governor and said, look, you'll have to move me out of my cell. The men in the other cell, you know, they're talking about me. See, when it goes to dark at night, let me tell you what they're saying. They're shouting through the wall, murderer, murderer. The governor, he moved them. Same thing happened in the next cell. Back to the governor, told him the same thing. They're still shouting. And the third time when he moved him, the governor twigged on. This man's not hearing a voice through the wall. This man's hearing a voice in his head. It's the echo of his conscience. And you see, Judas's conscience got the better of him. I had betrayed innocent blood. And he knew that the price of that betrayal was 30 pieces of silver. And he sold his soul for silver. He ended up being smitten and so remorseful that he hung himself. It's interesting, and I, I say this as I close, he didn't fling himself at the feet of Christ. Even though his emotions and his feelings was all stirred, it wasn't true and genuine repentance. The Lord Jesus said about this man, and I finish, listen to these words. Matthew chapter 26. But woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he'd not been born. Better if he'd not been born. Because that man is in that awful place called hell tonight for all eternity. And he awaits the resurrection. And his body and soul will be thrown into the lake of fire. Which burneth with fire and brimstone forever and ever. And he'll forever remember the price of that betrayal. May the Lord, by the Spirit, apply the word to you tonight. And ask yourself, am I betraying Christ? And what for?